Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. One step closer. Teamster locals around the country endorse the UPS agreement. Rank and file coming up next. TSA officers celebrate their first paycheck, one that includes a 31% pay hike. Today on the show, we check in with the Steelworkers, local 2958 in Kokomo, Indiana, and Labor's International, local 190 in Glenmont, New York. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 2nd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Dave Taco. Dave is president of Steelworkers Local 2958, and he represents about 500 union employees at Hayes International. Hayes International is one of the world's largest developers, manufacturers, and distributors of high-performance nickel and cobalt-based alloys for use in high-temperature and corrosion applications. Their standard product forms include sheet and plate, bar and billet, seamless, welded pipe and tubing, wire, and welding consumables, fittings, as well as phalanges. And uh, Dave's a happy camper because members of the Steelworkers Local recently ratified a new five-year contract with Haynes. Wasn't easy. It took a couple of uh, times, three times, to come to uh, to an agreement. And in the new contract, which was uh, retroactive to the first of last month, eligible hourly workers are receiving a 3.5% pay hike each year of the contract. The total over the life of the contract, keep in mind this is a five-year deal, 17.5%, and on top of it, a $5,000 bonus that was paid right away and a $1,000 bonus in the third year of the contract. Not a bad deal, eh? (laughs) So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the workload and the, the power of the United Steelworkers, one of the many proud sponsors, of course, of America's Workforce National website, usw.org. While I'm speaking about the Steelworkers, got to give a shout out here to uh, animal rescue workers in Pittsburgh, about 100 veterinary technicians and assistants, medical receptionists, animal caretakers, grant writers, educators, wildlife rehabilitators, and other staff at the Humane Animal Rescue of Pittsburgh, better known as HARP, announced that they have filed for a union election as they seek to join the United Steelworkers. The group of workers now seeking a formal vote through the National Labor Relations Board organizing for fair pay, job security, transparent communication, increased emotional and mental health for workers, among other advancements. Just another 
story of an organizing drive in the United States. Anthony Frosina will be joining us later in the show. Anthony serves as business manager of Labor's International Local 190. They're based in uh, Glenmont, New York. This is a huge training center for the Labor's website, labors190.org. And he's calling it a summer of recruitment. Now, the Biden administration recently called on uh, labor unions to help fill the void of qualified workers in the renewable energy industry tasking the unions with training workers for renewable energy projects. And uh, Layuna 190, well, they saw that as a call to action. Anthony is quoted as saying, in the recruitment area, we're putting our organizing fund, our Lusset fund, our health and safety fund, all the funds together to try to get recruitment for this field, not just for this field, but for all of construction. And at their training facility in Glenmont, the union currently has nearly a dozen different solar systems while also training workers in wind and other types of renewable energy. This is good stuff. It really is. And uh, you want to make sure that uh, every aspect of energy is captured because we have such a demand for energy, whether it's fossil fuel, nuclear power, solar, wind. Get it all and make sure it goes union. That's what it's all about. Labors190.org is a website there. What's happening in our world of labor? Let's find out. This segment on the show brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. $17 billion in assets under advisement. Serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. The Teamsters locals around the country representing UPS workers have voted. You ready for this? 161 to 1. 161 to 1 to endorse the union's tentative agreement with the company. Now, the agreement includes an estimated $30 billion in new commitments from UPS and ends a controversial, and I mean controversial, two-tier wage system. So rank and file workers, well, they're next. They will vote on the agreement starting tomorrow, and it should wrap up on the 22nd of this month. And we've got more news on the trucking company Yellow, which is on the verge of bankruptcy. They closed their doors over the weekend, throwing out 30,000 people, 22,000 of them, Teamster Union members. Now, a little background here. About three years ago, the Trump administration overruled the Pentagon to certify that yellow was critical to maintaining national security, thus qualifying it for a $700 million federal loan during the pandemic. Both White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows And Steve Mnuchin, Steve was the Treasury Secretary at the time, they were personally involved in the deal, which Trump's 2020 campaign used to suggest Trump was friendly to workers. How about that? Again, the Pentagon said, no, there's other trucking companies out there. They they don't deserve that kind of money. They're not very well run. 
According to the Washington Post, the $700 million loan was by far the largest provided to any company through the program for businesses critical to national security. Now, Yellow has repaid $55 million in interest on the loan, but just $230 in principle. In May, the company owed $729.2 million to the U.S. Treasury. And I don't think they're going to get it back. Since the creation of the Transportation Security Administration, which was about two decades ago, right after 9-11, TSA officers had been some of the lowest paid federal workers in the country. Not anymore. Not anymore, thank God. Because of AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees' relentless fight, TSA workers on Monday received their first paycheck with an increase of up to 31%. Can you believe that? It is the first major pay raise since the creation of TSA 21 years ago and a monumental step toward fighting the high attrition rate and difficulties in recruiting and retention. We've talked about this on the show many, many times because they're one of their sponsors. Well, on July 27th, AFGE, along with Representative Benny Thompson and the Department of Homeland Security, they held a press conference at Ronald Reagan International Airport to celebrate the increase. And uh, along with them was the president of AFGE, Everett Kelly. Everett said, today is a turning point for TSA, for the workers, for the administration, and for America. Today's paycheck is more than a monetary incentive. It's a symbol of respect. It's a symbol of dignity. Alexandro Mayorkas, who's the uh, Homeland Security Secretary, said the U.S.'s airport security has come a long way since 9-11, the terrorist attacks, as it's much safer to travel now. Even those who work in the field of security no longer think security is the uppermost concern in air travel. He went on to say, for those of us who are old enough to remember what it was like going to an airport or getting on an airplane in the years immediately following the tragedy of 9-11, that we've reached this point today is a remarkable achievement. No longer would the travelers worry about whether they would reach their destination safely. Now, we mostly think about the ease of travel. The remarkable achievement, thanks to the dedication, vigilance, and resolve of the personnel at TSA. By the way, the significant pay raise and improvement of worker rights for TSA employees were included in the government spending bill. With the support of Representatives Benny Thompson and Rosa DeLauro, the bill was signed into law on December 29th. The $398 million allowed to TSA to improve the pay and bargaining rights for TSA officers moves them closer to an equivalent to the general schedule. Again, long time coming and uh, quite a celebration there. A 31% pay raise. Now, that sounds like a lot, but you have to keep in mind they were not making a lot of money. Some of these folks are there for 25, 30 years, and they're still like $40,000 a year. And we have more news from the American Federation of Government Employees. They are currently supporting a bill that would give tax benefits to workers by allowing them to deduct union dues on their federal income taxes. All this changed under the Trump administration. 
in 2017. Workers used to be able to deduct their union dues, just like businesses deducting the costs of doing business. So the Tax Fairness for Workers Act, House Resolution 4963, would actually restore the tax deductibility of union dues for workers and would create an above-the-line deduction for unions so workers can use it even if they don't itemize. The bill, by the way, currently has 158 co-sponsors, would also help workers by restoring the deduction for unreimbursed employee expenses. That includes job search expenses, travel, out-of-pocket costs of uniforms and tools and other costs relating to be an employee. Despite a hiring spree initiated by the Biden administration, the Department of Labor is struggling to hire enough wage and hour investigators to replace those who are leaving. The agency's wage and hour division hired 100 new investigators in June alone, but has only increased the total number of investigators by one since the push began in January of 2022. Sources inside the agency attribute the rapid turnover to heavy caseloads and stagnant pay. Very similar to what I talked about with the uh, TSA. By, by the way, the uh, wage and hour division is tentatively slated to receive an appropriations increase of $4.5 million next year, despite cuts to the Department of Labor's overall budget. And one more here before we break. The Huff Post, formerly known as the Huffington Post, they have come out with a five-part series on the union-busting industry. It's called The Persuaders. This is all based on Freedom of Information Act requests and centers on the use of union avoidance consultants, better known as union busters. Well, the first story focuses on the case of a small manufacturing company in Missouri, Motor Appliance Corporation, or MAC, and how they hired a consultant by the name of Jack Black, who was, in fact, Jim Teague, a union buster. Teague's firm specializes in persuading employees not to unionize, and he was hired by Mac to handle a union election among its employees. Now, the story sheds light on the tactics used by such consultants, including conducting mandatory meetings with workers to dissuade them from supporting the union, even using pseudonyms to conceal their identities. In the end, the company fired pro-union workers, leading to a three-to-six vote against the union election. That's what's going on and has been going on in America. And the author of this five-part series, Dave Jamison, who has been on the show a number of times from the Huffington Post, Huff Post, will be joining us on the show to tomorrow to talk more about that five parts it's pretty riveting it's pretty riveting so i just wanted to call attention to that all right right now i have to take a quick break when we come back the steelworkers in kokomo indiana this is america's workforce it takes liuna to build north america's infrastructure from roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, LIUNA members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by LIUNA at LIUNA.org. 
That's LIUNA.org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to line number one right now. Welcome one of my steelworker buddies, and that would be Dave Taco. Dave is president of Local 2958, and uh, he represents about 500 union brothers and sisters at Haynes International. He's a pretty happy camper because they finally got a new contract. He's going to talk about the struggles to get that contract. But first, Mr. Taco, welcome to America's Workforce. How are things in Kokomo, Indiana today, brother? Busy right now and a lot quieter. <laughs> yeah, I bet it was a little noisy there getting this uh, contract yes, put together. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. What is it, 30 plus years as a steel worker? How did you get involved yeah, been, with the steel workers? Go ahead. Actually, back when I was a rebel worker, I got involved and uh, served as, uh, we called them union stewards then, and then worked my way into the executive board, eventually did uh, about 14 years, 13, 14 years as president. Um, I worked there until they shut down. Trailboard Automotive shut down the plant. Um, at which time I got on at Haynes International in Kokomo and worked my way up through the ranks and eventually became president there after serving a, a stint as assistant committeeman, committeeman, uh, vice president of the local for a good many years. That transition from the rubber workers into the steel workers, if you don't mind, can you reflect on that? I, I heard it was pretty good. I'd like to get your opinion on that. Yeah, because the merger convention was kind of, uh, it was emotional when you get into something like that. But once the actual merger took place, um, it was very smooth. It was, uh, it was a good thing. It was good. a very good thing. So talk to me about uh, Hayes International, a pretty big, uh, pretty big outfit. And I see, uh, in addition to Kokomo, they also have a presence in Louisiana and North Carolina. Um, the Kokomo facility specializes in flat products, and I guess they're one of the big developers of uh, high-performance nickel and cobalt-based alloys. They're they're doing pretty big, pretty big outfit then, right? Yeah, they've uh, they uh, hold their own. They, as far as uh, some of the mills, 
we're not as big, but some of our competitors, but um, as far as putting product out and what have you, we're usually uh, consistently running the top part of our, our competition. Okay. So I guess this took a couple of tries to get a decent uh, contract. Three tries. Three tries. Third's a charm, right? <laughs> I, I yeah. get it. So uh, talk to me about that. Uh, they were just playing hardball. They were trying to bust the union. What, well, what's the story? No, they just didn't listen. That uh, I don't think. Um, when we came to the original agreement, we told them that uh, due to surveys that we take from the membership, to see what they want, and they wanted to just do a bonus the first year. Uh, management was uh, held up for election. They were going to stick with that bonus. Um, we told them that we thought the contract was good other than uh, just the bonus the first year and no actual on the bottom uh, raise or on the time card raise, as I like to refer to it. Uh, so we took it to the membership. The membership overwhelmingly turned it down. And that was the big thing. The uh, Because they put a bonus and, and zero on it, which aggravated the membership, understandably. Uh, they overwhelmingly turned it down. Uh, we went back to the table, got some bonus money, put it up, and the 3.5% raise for the first year, that we were getting the other year two through uh, five. Um, thought maybe that might pass. We took it back, and uh, they got beat by 39 votes. So we went back to the table again and uh, got more bonus money jump bumped up. And once we did that, we took it back, and it uh, overwhelmingly passed. So you got a pretty decent bonus. I was reading what five thousand dollars is five thousand right? the first year, a three and a half percent raise, and then the third year of the contract, we'll get a thousand dollar bonus, and uh, along with a three and a half percent raise. What about benefits? Did those uh, increase? Actually, our benefits increased uh, for single five dollars a month. It was five, a single plus one was. Ten dollars and a family was fifteen dollars a month. So yes, it did see a small increase. So from from the first contract that they threw at you to the one that was finally approved, what kind of time period are we looking at? Oh, about two and a half weeks. Really, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Management was willing to get, willing to go back um, the second time after it got voted down. They. Uh, weren't quite as willing, but they eventually um, basically took like a week off and uh, make almost a week, called us in at the end of the week and asked us, my staff rep, Rex Ambrose, and myself, would uh, they thought it'd take to resolve it. We told them what the people were telling us. Um, we didn't quite get there, but we got there enough to get it passed. Was there any one time that they were saying, I know there was a short period there, but did you have to say, hey, look, if we don't get our way, we're going to have to walk out? Did that ever come up in the conversation? Uh, they knew we were taking the uh, a strike vote that Friday. We ratified a week ago Tuesday, and on that Friday we were scheduled to take a strike vote and send it to International to be approved for a strike. 
Um, so yeah, they they knew it was getting down to the uh, what I'd like to call the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good to hear. So membership is pretty happy, I take it then. You are, yeah. Overall, I mean, you always have a, a faction that obviously they really want people that voted against it. So uh, you know, yeah, obviously I had eighty-one people that probably weren't happy, but yeah, uh, the rest of the overwhelming did. They seem happy. I mean, I think our membership was ready. Most of them were ready for it to come to an end, too. Now, talk to me about Kokomo, Indiana. I know it was made famous in a Beach Boys song. Is this like a heavy uh, manufacturing type of city, very blue-collar? Is, yeah, is that it's the very case? heavy manufacturing. Um, Stellanus has a big presence in Kokomo with the uh, transmission plant, a casting plant, um, an engine plant. I think they employ something like 8,000 8, UAW brothers and sisters with good benefits and good pay. They're just LG and Stellan- or Samsung and Stellantis are getting ready to open up a, a battery plant. They're supposed to hire, like I think, another 3,000. Is that going to be all union then, the battery plant? Uh, as of now, it's not. I think that's going to be a showdown with the UAW. I suspect that this upcoming negotiations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. They're playing yeah. hardball just like the Teamsters with the UPS. And uh, yeah. you know, Teamsters got their way. We're hoping that the UAW gets they, their way. They you know what? what well. Yeah, what you just said, Dave, if you don't mind, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Here's a company, obviously, and I would assume they're making a lot of money. Haynes International, you know anything about that? Yes, their their profits are they're very doing very well right now, um, and that was part of the problem with us. The membership saw how much money the powers to be were making, and and how much money the corporation was making as a whole. Um, and that and with inflation, some people. Expected like a 10, 20 percent uh, raise the first year. Um, right now, the average is, I think, running from three to four. So, I mean, those are the people, obviously, that probably are part of the 81 that are not happy. Mm-hmm. And, Dave, it sounds to me that the, the jobs take a degree of skill. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, materials used in the aerospace industry, chemical processing, things like that. You know, if you don't mind, I want to take a quick break here. We could talk more about that. Joining us on our live line right now is Dave Taco. He is the president of local 2958 of the United Steelworkers based in Kokomo, Indiana. And they recently voted and it was overwhelming a new five-year contract with Haynes International. We'll talk more about it next. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Anthony Frasina, big training facility for Lyuna Local 190 in Glenmont, New York, dealing with renewables, solar, going union. That's what we want. It's all happening on America's Workforce. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, 
Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora when you get an opportunity. Here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. The uh, OFT is one of about 250-plus unions, organizations, all opposing Issue 1 on the Ohio ballot, which will be next Tuesday. You can learn more at unionstrongohio.com. This is an issue that threatens our freedom at the ballot box. It ends majority rule and one person, one vote. Again, unionstrongohio.com for more. Let's go back to Kokomo, Indiana. Joining us in our live line today is Dave Taco, president of Steelworkers Local 2958. They have about 500 union brothers and sisters. They voted overwhelmingly recently to ratify a new five-year contract with Haynes International. And it wasn't easy. Took uh, three tries, but uh, they did it in pretty pretty, uh, quick time here, a couple of weeks of negotiations. And the company, as Dave pointed out, in the first segment, they're doing pretty well. And I want to talk about the the product coming out of Haynes International. It sounds to me, from what I've been reading, this is a pretty uh, profitable company. They deal a lot with the aerospace industry, chemical processing, things like that, nickel, cobalt. There's got to be a degree of skill and training involved for the workers. And, uh, and, that's, and unions are really good at that. Maybe you could speak to that, Dave. And the company had no... You know what? We're making money. Uh, we don't want to get things screwed up here if we're going to have some labor unrest. So they obviously came to their senses and signed off on a deal that was pretty good for workers. But can you talk about the skill level of what's going on over there? Well, the, the skill level, obviously, in the metals business, not anybody come in and, and run a melt shop where they're pouring hot molten metal 
and then getting it the ingots and rounds, what have you, processed into foils or whatever product they're going into. The, we're the only one in the area that do what we do. Uh, the machinery, a lot of it is older, which our members have learned the skill of keeping it running and, and what to do to keep it running that just uh, an everyday Joe wouldn't know. Um, if you were trying to bring somebody in that had no idea about it, they'd probably have a hard time keeping some of the machinery running. Mm-hmm. You made a comment here about the age of some of the machinery and what, uh, you know, that, that calls attention to what happened back in the 90s. You know how many steel plants closed. Bethlehem, right. Jones and Lachlan, LTV, and we know that. We, we still look. Uh, do the show out of northeastern Ohio, and we saw the devastation that happened there. And much of that had to do with the fact that the the, the companies did not invest in new technologies, new machinery. Um, is Haynes kind of going down that road right now? Can you? Uh, well, they claim that, and they're getting ready to redo a line. It's just a matter of when. Um, in negotiations, they claim that they were got to put 20 million plus into the mill this year. So if that uh, comes to fruitation, um, that's going to be great for us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, anytime they pump that kind of money into the mill is a good thing. Dave, if you don't mind, you know, when you were going through this process to get this contract, uh, did you get any support from, well, number one, the community, media? I mean, did this, uh, this you didn't go on strike or anything. But there was a possibility. We, uh, we had a lot of rallies um, in front of corporate headquarters, out at the mill. And and we had those rallies, yes, the firefighters, the UAW, teachers um, were all very supportive and showing up to our rallies and, and participating in them. Um, International brought in the bat light one night, and uh, that went over very well. We had a lot of different members uh, of the community that were union members uh, or people, and they showed up to these rallies um, and helped us out, participated, what have you. So, yeah, the community was was very good um, to us while we were going through this process. Well, you got to feel pretty good. I mean, you're 33 years as a steel worker. I mean, some of that time as a rubber worker, but that all merged back in the 90s, as we indicated earlier. But to have the power of the steel workers behind you, you mentioned national. That had to make you feel pretty good going into all this, right? Oh, they were very supportive and helping us getting the information that we needed, um, giving, giving us advice as we went through it when we thought we might be running into some possible jams, um, I couldn't ask any for any more support than I got out of the Steelworkers International. Um, they did an A-plus job. Well, it sounds to me that uh, there's some good things happening in your area in, uh, in Indiana. I came across a story recently. How far are you from New Carlisle, Indiana? You're in Kokomo. Where's New Carlisle? Yeah, New Carlisle is northern Indiana, South Bend area, uh, Elkhart around in there. If my memory serves me right, I would guess, like I said, I'm a little over an hour. It's been a while since I've been to New Carlisle. 
Well, I was reading that about 2,000 workers will be needed for the construction of a new GM plant in that area and the South Bend Regional Chamber of Commerce. They're, uh, well, they're, they're optimistic it's going to happen. In fact, I got a comment here from uh, the IBEW. This would be local uh, 153. Mike Leda serves as business manager. He says, we have a bunch of people that are getting ready to retire in the next five or so years. This is a three-plus-year project, so we're going to probably be almost double our apprenticeship class just to fill the needs for the new battery plant. So uh, it'll fill a void of what we're going to have to uh, have for the future of journeymen that are retired. And I know that's a big problem in all a lot of the trades. Do you see a lot of that happening as far as your local, as far as uh, people retiring, bringing, bringing new recruits in? We're having a heck of a time uh, finding skilled tradesmen, period. Uh, negotiations, we've even dropped our standards. It used to be you had to have eight years of verifiable experience to even be considered. Um, we dropped it down to six this time, and they also had a three-year increment a dollar for every year until the third year you'd be up to top dollar in negotiations we got rid of that for skilled trades because it's just such we're having a heck of a time everybody in this neck of the woods is having a hard time finding skilled tradesmen we're having a hard time finding laborers i mean it used to be at hands with the money we pay and the benefits that you could put an ad in the paper the unemployment office would advertise that these jobs were available, and if they needed 20 jobs, 120, it apply. And that's not necessarily the case anymore. There, uh, there are times they're having problems even getting the people they need to come in and uh, to work there. And we're talking good jobs here. These are union jobs. Yes. This pro- yeah, yeah, this project I told you about, New Carlisle, it's, uh, it's supposed to be the largest single investment in Indiana's history. And uh, we're talking a $3 billion plant project. So uh, things are happening. Good things happening. Obviously, good things happening for local 2958 United Steelworkers. Well, congratulations on that contract, Dave Taco. You take care. Stay strong. Stay in touch us. Anything else going on in Kokomo, Indiana, their neck of the woods over there, you let us know. Okay, brother? All right. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Anthony Frosina is a business manager of Lyuna Local 190 out of Glenmont, New York, and he's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Glenmont, New York. Where's Glenmont? Well, it's just outside Albany, which is the state capital. Joining us on our live line is Anthony Frasina. Anthony is a business manager of Lyuna Local 190 website. Real simple, labors190.org. Anthony has been a Lyuna member since 1989 and business manager for the past 21 years. And, of course, Lyuna nationally is our presenting sponsor here on America's Workforce. So it's always good to go around the country and find out what the locals are doing. And uh, pretty much they're doing some recruiting. It's a summer of recruitment at 190. Anthony Frosina. Welcome to America's Workforce. Did I get all that information correct? How are we doing, brother? You sure did. Thank you. Yes, you sure did. And I want to let you know, we had your general president, relatively new general president, on the show just two days ago, Mr. Brent Booker, who took over the reins of Terry O'Sullivan on the 1st oh. of May. That, And you could check out that interview at awfpodcast.com, awfpodcast.com. He had a lot of fire in his belly. He wants to do some more organizing. And I know Terry Terry O'Sullivan, boy, I'll tell you, <laughs> he, he got Lyuna on the map, I'll tell you. He uh, he was sure one did. heck of an organizer, no doubt about that. How are we doing with organizing over there in 190 right now? Well, we're doing well. We're, we're, we have a lot of our, uh, our funds, our state funds, our uh, tri-funds as we call them, the organizing fund. Blessed Fund, Health and Safety Fund. We have those funds very active, working with the locals in the area and throughout the state to try to uh, organize and to try to uh, recruit for the locals with a lot of the renewable work coming up in the area, as well as the the work that's already slotted for the area with the, the Wadsworth Center coming here, the um, uh, Livingston Avenue Bridge in Albany, a large project coming up uh, next year. So we're trying to get uh, trying to get manpower for, for these jobs, and, and it's it's a it's a task, but it's a uh, a task that the funds and, and the locals are up to, and, and we're taking the uh, the lead from from our leader Brent Booker, and obviously with you know you mentioned Terry O'Sullivan. Terry O'Sullivan started these with these organizing um, funds and started with recruitment uh, before he left, before he retired. But uh, Brent is taking that uh, charge and going forward with it. Yeah, he set up a model that is really kick-ass. It really is. And he's just sure growing is. the membership, and you want to continue that. So you're at, what, two, uh, 650 active members right now in 190? Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Is, is that pretty uh, – is that up or down? I mean, we went through this pandemic and all that. Maybe you could speak to that as well. How did how did you fare through that? We were, we were considered – here we were considered essential employees, so we had that status – uh, so we didn't we didn't suffer too much with that. Um, we lost a few members, 
uh, through that. Not as bad as it is we thought it would be, but uh, we, we worked right through it. We worked right through it, of course, with our health and safety fund here. They, they provided all the hand sanitizers and, and the uh, PPP uh, equipment uh, for, um, uh, for the contractors uh, all throughout the area. So we were pretty busy through that uh, pandemic, and, and it, was, uh, it was a challenge, but it was a challenge that we met pretty well. Good. The 650 number, though, has that been pretty stable over the years? Uh, it, it, it went down a little bit, probably about, I, I saw a decline probably maybe about 10 years ago. Uh, it started to decline a little bit, and now we're, we're picking it back up. And luckily, we're getting a lot of the um, younger members coming in and, uh, and deciding, for, and even some middle-aged and, and older members that decide for a, a career change and, and know mm-hmm. that uh, there's a lot of infrastructure to be built. So a good career with the laborers. Well, yeah, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure law is quite amazing. And not only that, you, you know, you're lucky. You're in a pretty good union state being in, in New York. And uh, I, I, the politics there, I mean, it's way ahead some other areas, especially in the right-to-work states in the South. I mean, I'm sure you talk to folks down there, and they're probably pulling their hair out. But uh, talk to me about the work. Especially, let's, let's start off with the infrastructure, Bill. What, what's, on the, what's, on, what's the game plan right now? Right now, we've got a lot of projects that are, uh, that are getting ready to start that are shovel. We call them shovel-ready projects that are getting ready to uh, go, uh, which I mentioned the Wadsworth Lab in Albany. I mentioned the um, uh, Livingston Avenue Bridge, a very large project in Albany. It's going to be joint ventured with, uh, with some contractors, both locally and downstate. And um, we're, uh, we're just excited for those projects to take off. We've got a lot of renewable uh, projects that are that are coming on solar work, um, offshore wind. We've got two uh, ports: the Port of Albany, the Port of Queemans, that are both take that are both ongoing projects right now. That are uh, that very large projects that are going to be supplying these uh, these um, wind farms with offshore offshore wind products. Well, let's talk about that. And it's important that those jobs go union. And there's been a challenge of sorts here from from the White House, the Biden administration has called on, and you, we've got a very pro-union administration, we know that, but they've Absolutely. been calling on unions like Lyuna to, uh, to help fill that void of qualified workers in renewable energy. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, what, what are we looking at right now? Maybe you could get into the nitty-gritty here on, um, on training the next generation, especially for solar. Can we get into that? Sure. Our, our, our national training through Lyuna has uh, developed a course curriculum, and we have two training sites in the area. We have a training site in Newburgh, New York, which is about an hour south of us, and then we have our training site here on, on Wemple Road in Glenmont that are, are uh, we have instructors, administrators, instructors in those both training facilities that are, uh, that are charged with getting as many people through the solar training as we can, and we've got uh, mock solar panels in the back that we're, we have these um, students come in, they go through a, a course curriculum of in-classroom training, and then they go outside in, in, in the elements and they actually instruct these solar panels um, uh, with the instructors and, and um, it's going. We have classes running probably through the summer, which usually in the summertime we have, we take a little bit of a, not a break, but everybody's working so we don't train as much in the summer, but we're, we're training every week this summer and, and probably for the next few summers anyway that we can see um, with with the solar because we've got a lot of solar work coming up. There's solar 
uh, large solar, large scale solar projects all over through New York State. So the uh, the training, how long does it take, and how complicated is it? It's it's about a three day course. It's about a three day course for for the uh, solar panels for, to to instruct solar to uh, install solar panels. So it's we we tend to run one class and then we'll run a class into the next week, and we do we just keep continuously going. Um, there's classroom hours, and then there's also outside training hours. We have both in both at uh, both um, training centers, we have uh, mock um, uh, setups to, to uh, solar panels to, um, to install. Now, let me ask you, the, these panels here, and, and you're probably aware of this, a lot of the, these panels don't come from the United States. They, they come mm-hmm. from various countries, mainly China. Do you know anything about that? Are these are these panels that? I mean, it'd be great to make them here. I'm just wondering if uh, if we can get that going. But uh, what do we know right now about that? Yeah, right now that's that's a little bit of a, of a challenge because we had some some jobs that were slotted to start earlier were delayed a little bit because of the solar panels coming over from China that were that were delayed coming over and didn't get to the, to the U.S. But um, as I'm told that they're trying to um, trying to get a, a, a system in place where they can make those panels here. Hopefully they can make them here. Obviously, we'd love to have everything made here in the U.S. And it'd be easier for for many reasons. For we wouldn't have to wait for these panels to come from another country, and and it would be USA made, and hopefully union made. Absolutely, and the Biden administration is doing its best to try to make that happen. I I read Absolutely. recently. I read recently. I don't know if you're familiar with this company, First Solar. First Solar announced yes. they will build their fifth factory number five in the u.s and it's mainly because of what's going on alternative energy is just taken off so altogether the commitment brings to more than 2.8 billion dollars the amount that first solar has invested in the u.s to ramp up production so yeah we we lost so darn many jobs i know there's been some numbers on this close to four million jobs when we uh, normalize yeah. relations with China. And if we can just, you know, slowly but surely bring those jobs back. So we want to make the panels here, make them with union brothers and sisters, and also install them with union brothers and sisters. So these uh, these solar classes, how many people are in these solar classes right now? We do, I think, I'm pretty sure it's 10 at a time, 10 at a time. So we do, we have two classrooms. We have four instructors. So we, we do 10 at a time, so usually 20 run through a week. That's pretty good. Now, you, you talked about the jobs, the opportunities. What do we know about that right now? Again, you know, New York is pushing this uh, legislatively, but what's the landscape look like down the road here, Anthony? It, it seems that there's uh, we have our organizing department, and, along with our lesson department, tracking these jobs, and we've got researchers that are working on this every day. They're, they're charged with researching and getting where these projects are going to go, meeting with the developers and the owners, trying to um, to see where how many um, members we're going to need to build these facilities to keep the locals abreast of and informed that of, of how many workers they're going to need to uh, train and put out for these for these projects. So uh, we've got a tracking system where we're updated. The business managers in the area are updated daily on, on how many jobs are coming out 
you know, who, who the jobs uh, are, are, the owners are, who the developers are, and we're getting MOUs signed, we're getting um, contracts signed, we've got a renewable agreement uh, through our district council. So we're, um, we're pretty, we're pretty, this is pretty active. It's an everyday process. We're being updated every day and it changes every day. As you mentioned with the delays on some of the panels coming over, some of the jobs are pushed out that we're supposed to start maybe, let's say this summer are going to be pushed up few months, maybe five to six months out. But uh, all in all, it looks like there's going to be quite a few um, solar projects in the area. Well, let me ask you this, Anthony. What about the community? Because there's some communities that are rejecting alternative energy. And, and, and you know yeah. you know what's going on politically in sure. this country. How Absolutely. is how solar being accepted in that area of New York? It, it actually, for the most part, it's not it's not as bad up here. We've got the areas that they're putting these solar farms are obviously wide open fields, and and uh, we're, we're going. To, we've gone to some hearings, at, at the, you know, locally that we've had a little bit of resistance, but not as much as what we did when we went to the old pipeline hearings or or any kind of um, hearings to that effect. And it seems to be the same people that are that are resisting that that um, they, they really don't have any reasons why they're just resisting just to resist i guess so yeah. uh but we're we're on top of that in our organizing department has a as you you i'm sure you well know our organizing department has the uh the uh, digital trucks that go around they've got uh, um, a lot of boots on the ground going to the towns and, and uh, villages and explaining what these solar panels are going to mean in the future and giving them the facts not not what they see or the propaganda, but the facts of, of what these solar panels are going to do in the future. And and, and quite frankly, you know, uh, President Biden, his administration, what they have in store for for uh, for the, the U.S. and again is bringing jobs, bringing clean renewable energy, and and it's uh, it's it's a great um, as far as I'm concerned, it's a great uh, great way forward. Good jobs, clean energy. Good yeah. wages, good benefits. That's, I mean, it's, it's, that, it's pretty who, simple. Who could want anything more? <laughs> <laughs> Harness the power of the sun. And we should point out, too, Lyuna wants all energy. I mean, remember talking to Terry about this. Come on. I mean, yes. we got to drill. Yeah. We got to grab the sun. We got to get the wind, nuclear power. I mean, we have a huge thirst for energy in this country. So let's get it all and let's make it all union. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what t- Terry. Terry started that and is always is always uh, talked about that and is always promoted that. And I think Brent Booker will do the same going forward. And, and uh, it's the right thing to do. All right, Anthony. Great job today. Thank you for joining us out of Glenmont, New York. Anthony Forsina, business manager of Labor's Local 190 website, labors190.org. You stay in touch and uh, keep feeling the power. OK, brother? Thank you very much. Feel the power. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, it's all about union busters with Dave Jamison and the latest from the Valley Labor Report out of Alabama. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.